This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. I'd like to welcome Justin Riley to Knowledge at Wharton. And Justin is head of customer experience innovation for Verizon Fios. And he's speaking today at the Mac conference, uh, which is uh, uh, the title of their conference is Emerging Innovation Leadership Challenges for Global Firms. Uh, you did just speak, and I'd like you, to, if you could just give us like a short synopsis of what, what you said to the group. That yeah, would absolutely. be great. It's, one, it's wonderful to be here. Um, so I spent a lot of time talking about how we think about innovating inside of a big company. I've been an entrepreneur my entire life, so this is the first time I've worked inside of a large company. I chose a Fortune 14, I guess, to be my first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we talk, talked a lot about Generation Z trends, about how we think about becoming a product company, how we shift organizational structures, uh, what it takes, in our opinion, to keep up with emerging tech, um, and then how we're solving some really key problems in our uh, in our business uh, as we uh, you know face the reality of being disrupted from a lot of different angles. Right? I mean, you think about the genesis of Verizon; we're really the phone company, right? Um, and now playing in everything from fiber to media to artificial intelligence, um, and those things are kind of happening. Um, at scale uh, all over the world. Um, so it's, a, it's, it's an exciting place to be. Um, there's a lot of change, um, and it's, uh, it's great to be here today. So uh, when it comes to all of those changes you just described, you're, of course, focused on customer service. Maybe you could just give us some idea of what the key challenges are for, for Verizon and Fios in, in those areas. Yeah, that's fair. In that so, area, yes. Yeah, so I have responsibility for our core innovation products, uh, for everything that touches the customer outside of our core TV and, and, and fiber products. What are some of the most innovative things in that category you just described, yeah, for so, example, so people know what we're talking about? Yeah, so uh, I have an, an entire group focused on artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, mostly right now that manifests its, itself in a conversational UI experience, which is that is a chat a, box? Effect, effectually known as a chat bot, okay. right? Um, so probably the most consumer facing thing that is in production, right? Mm-hmm. The customers are playing with right now is a chatbot experience mm-hmm. uh, that we have in Facebook Messenger that will be in our, our uh, native application uh, next month. Mm-hmm. Um, and it solves every problem from answering the question of what's on tonight, getting TV recommendations, to being able to reset your router to know where your tech is, uh, to pay that's your bill, really et cetera. <laughs> um, well, that's interesting. So uh, tell me more about AI and machine learning. Of course, we just actually published a story within the last week called AI is the New Electricity. Mm-hmm. And um, AI is going to change so many things. There's also a lot of hype around it. So it's like trying to separate um, fact from hopes and dreams. Uh, and, and a lot of those hopes and dreams will become reality one day. It's just that when you focus on, let's say, the next two years, which is the the, the, the things that are actually going to happen, mm-hmm. what, what do you have coming up in in that kind of time frame that would be interesting for people to know about yeah I think two the, or three years whatever you yeah like. yeah no absolutely so yeah. i think there's a couple problems with what's going on with ai right now is that people are referring to things that aren't core machine learning neural networks or what would be referred to affectionately as artificial intelligence as artificial intelligence mm-hmm. right so basic right. linear decision trees basic data analytics um certainly building blocks towards artificial intelligence but when when folks kind of flood the market with we are an ai company or mm-hmm. we are doing ai it becomes really hard to differentiate between those things right i mean a calculator in a way is artificial intelligence that's right so, yeah that's right um especially if it remembers something that you did, right? right? Uh So I think that the most interesting trends in AI are going to be 
um, supervised learning, uh, which is a little bit is a little bit further along and, and much further along than unsupervised learning, right? So the ability for um, you to make a couple interactions with a piece of technology as a human for that machine to learn what you're doing, but to be kind of taught that from uh, an employee or a product manager or a machine learning engineer on the other side. So an example of that for us is if uh, during the, we, we had a chatbot interaction during the Mayweather fight, Money Mayweather and, and McGregor, right? Mm -hmm. And so over time, when people were coming into the chatbot to purchase the fight, they would use words that were MMA slang, for lack mm -hmm. of a better term. And because we had uh, a natural language processing, understanding, and generation interaction, as well as a neural network mm -hmm. behind it, the bot with a little bit of supervision from a machine learning engineer mm -hmm. learned those terms quicker. Mm -hmm. So when the next person came in, mm -hmm. they knew that this type of language meant show this result, give this experience. That I think is going to be the most interesting uh, set of interactions for any brand going forward, but it's fundamental to giving someone an experience where they can give you that type of data, right? And, and so, and then the second thing is uh, whether you have the right data, it's organized in the right way, and then you can build learning, learning algorithms based off of it. So for the example you just gave, that's, uh uh, that's a relatively narrow area. So, are you suggesting like that's that's the kind of thing that can work really well when you have a like a, every there's four walls around it. You were just talking about this specific thing versus the universe of knowledge and and that sort of thing that um, that AI and machine learning can can function very well in that smaller world. So, so I think. It Direct to consumer utility and benefit, mm -hmm. right? The normal person right. walking down the street. I think the most utility that they're going to see from brands is going to be in learning more about who you are and being able to provide more contextual responses to that thing. AI is a larger thing. Most of probably the mm -hmm. benefit in AI is going in to be in large scale. Um, trucking and warehousing, infrastructure, anomaly detection, because all of those things don't necessarily rely on a human interaction. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about how the things interact. Mm -hmm. You can focus just on the data set, the learning, mm -hmm. the feedback loop. So I would say if you were to try to like pie the world mm -hmm. and say what percentage, I would say mm -hmm. probably 80% of the value creation in AI is going to be in B2B or large scale um, infrastructure and about 20% in, in customer value creation. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, the 20% is going to happen in places like customer service where there's a lot of cost for the business. So they're very incentivized to, mm -hmm. to make the experience better. Customers don't like, for example, sitting on the phone with someone for mm -hmm. two hours. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of kind of symbiotic relationship between brand investment and customer needs that will allow for um, an investment strategy uh, everywhere from inside of brands to venture capital. If you look at a lot of where the AI money is going from a VC perspective, it's either in large infrastructure um, or core like customer focused mm -hmm. needs like a customer service mm -hmm. interaction. So for you, what does what does that mean? I mean, you, pro you have projects you're looking at for this year, or next year, three years down the road. What, what about like a little bit beyond that? What are, the, what are the things you think will actually be functional in you know, three to five years? Three to five years. Maybe that's too far out. Yeah, no, it's it's a great question. I, I think for us, because of our interaction with the home, mm -hmm. right? We run fiber right into your home. Right. We we have a tremendous amount of intelligence of what happens on the network in your home. Different varying degrees of 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 uh, information that we are that our customers have. We've earned the right with our customers to use to provide a better experience or to mm -hmm. provide more utility. 
what I think is going to be key for Verizon, um, specifically Fios in the future, is how that intelligence gets better as homes become smarter and how that will improve your utility over time, right? So it's very easy to see a future where everything in your, your, your home is connected. They all speak to each other. They're running on a fiber network, so it's very clear, secure, mm-hmm. and fast. Um, oh, and that's a cure word. We'll have to get back to we'll that because everyone worries about that. Um, and, and, and you constantly are leaning into to, to that experience experience being mm-hmm. better. Um, I think there's a lot of thought out there that you're just going to have a world for a, full of a bunch of personal assistants. I mm-hmm. actually think that the personal assistant space is going to be crowded in the next three to five years. Mm-hmm. And and if you imagine the the kind of app um, atrophy or, or app uh, kind of clutter that we've experienced on smartphones, mm-hmm. you're going to see that same thing with personal assistants, whether it's Alexa or Siri or 40 mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. things that you will have to invoke with a wake word to make that thing happen. Mm-hmm. And then what will happen is like everything else. And then if we talk about five years out, mm-hmm. that'll happen two, three years out, and then it'll converge back to a couple key players mm-hmm. and we'll get it right. And when I say awesome. we'll get it right, I mean all the, the players in the mm-hmm. space will get it right and, and, and kind of get it down to a place where it's really useful for humans going forward. So that's Interesting. Uh, let's talk about that security issue, though, because uh, if a place like Equifax can't <laughs> can't keep uh, information secure, people are going to be worried about you know someone hacking their home. Uh, and if all of this information about them is is it in, essentially in one place, uh, whereas now it's kind of distributed, it's bad enough if they hack into one thing. But uh, what, so, what kind of assurances can there be, you know, with with the kind of hacks that we've seen? Yeah, and I, I think I, I won't speak to the what, what Equifax is doing, but I can right. only speak for what Verizon's doing. And we spend it. One of the things that when I got to Verizon about two years ago that I noticed about Verizon is um, we had a long way to go on pure digital product innovation. So having our digital experiences feel like. Google, Facebook, Amazon. But one thing that we do right is network, mm-hmm. right? We've been a phone company, we've been an ops company, we've been a network company for a long time. And we, we constantly get network right. And so if you were to look at where our investment is, we're spending billions of dollars to make sure that smart cities, smart homes, that we have the not only just the network infrastructure for them to make those things fast and work well for you, but to make sure that they're secure over time. It's one of the benefits of fiber, the feedback loop mm-hmm. of all the things going on in your home when you connect to Wi-Fi through fiber is tremendous. We're constantly looking at next generation of routers that have deeper, deeper securities, IoT, MQTT protocols, all these things that drive mm-hmm. session management and, and and overall kind of semantic security um, inside of your home that, that, that sequences the sessions, provides uh, uh, you know cryptography that provides um, 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 anomaly detection, all of these things um, so that you can trust you trust us with your data. Um, that is at the forefront of everything we're doing from an engineering perspective. So from the customer point of view, right? I, I see, okay, so I, I can call in as you can with Nest and that sort of thing. You know, I can call in and change the thermostat on, on my heater or air conditioner. Um, what other things, what, what's the benefit to the customer? What are those things that they're gonna say, wow, this is really, this is useful, this is great. As opposed to just sort of sort of um, bells and whistles. Yeah, I think the problem with the smart home market right now, and if you look at the trajectory, it's been relatively flat for the last five to eight years, right? And, and when someone buys their first smart home device, if they don't, if they don't get immediate utility out of it, they never buy another one. Mm-hmm. Once they buy three to five, they're more likely to buy 10, mm-hmm. and roughly they're on a path to buying 20, which is what we kind so of- So what are these 20 things? Right, yeah, so I think um, most of them are, um, 
light bulbs, uh, thermostats, security cameras, mm -hmm. things that make a single room more useful. Mm -hmm. So what you see is better adoption if I make a room smart first mm -hmm. versus making different parts of my house smart mm -hmm. because the total utility of you as a human in that space mm -hmm. gets better, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that's the, the key focus. What I think is is holding up the smart home market is the, the standard for management across all these different hardwares. Um, everyone's kind of trying to figure out what that means, right? Whether it's- um, So it's a v v the old VHS beta issue, right? Right, and you can't manage them all from one place, right? Yeah, and there are right. a bunch of hubs, right, that, mm -hmm. that people are trying to play. And I think our opportunity as we ship more and more um, smart home intelligent internet hub experiences mm -hmm. is to drive light management of all of those things so that you have all of your things in one place. Mm -hmm. And if you need to go deeper with the usability, you can pop out to Nest app mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. or Canary's app and have a deeper mm -hmm. deeper experience. So what will be those things that, that will please customers, that will, that will, Excite customers besides the, the you know the sort of obvious ones. That I, I think if you if you spend a lot of time with customers in their home, mm -hmm. the things that we do every day are the things that take a lot of time, mm -hmm. right? Taking the laundry out of the washer and putting right. it in the dryer, pushing the the, the toaster down, right? Yeah. Running the dishwasher. Um, as those, I, I fundamentally believe that as those. Uh, appliances become more intelligent, a lot of the human utility will come from more intelligent, dumb devices that we currently have in our house. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll give you an example though, and this is kind of the problem with a lot of what's being built today, is, it, I don't know if you've seen this, but there was, there was a, a refrigerator that was out about a year ago that would tell you if you were out of milk. I was gonna raise that one, because I thought, is that, is that, do we need that? <laughs> right, so, so, you could, so you could ask, well, do we need that? And, and what I would say is I don't think we need that, right? right? And I would, uh, say, I would say, do we need that given the security threat that it opens up? Like someone can hack everything in my house just so that I can see if, right, my, if, if I, I, I need milk, milk or not. Right? Right. Or I could just open the door and see if Yeah, milk, yeah if that seems like a, 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 a big risk for not much reward. Right, so uh, a refrigerator came out uh, about six months ago that doesn't do that, but when you tap the door, it makes the door translucent, you could see through and see all the things in there. That's a light incremental innovation that's really great. Mm -hmm. We've been thinking a lot about this, and, and, and I, I fundamentally believe that if you make something that is, something that's dumb, quote unquote, for lack of a better term right now, more intelligent, you have to keep at the core of what that thing is. So what do people use refrigerators for today? They leave notes for the family, they hang things that are important, right? They tell stories on the refrigerator. That's what most, when you spend time in people's homes, that's what most families use refrigerators for. So why are we trying to build features that don't do that, at least that thing, better than it is today? Mm -hmm. Right, so maybe refrigerators of the future, maybe one of the things they do is tell you if you're out of milk, but that's something you can toggle on and off. Mm -hmm. Maybe the translucent thing is the actually more useful thing so you can see in mm -hmm. without having to open a door. Mm -hmm. That takes a kind of like, ergonomic mm -hmm. like thing out of your Safe life, right? Energy. Right. But maybe it's an amazing, rich storytelling hub for your home mm -hmm. that allows you to leave notes from your loved ones, that allows you to interact with other parts of your house. Maybe that's the thing that mm -hmm. would drive mm -hmm. hordes of people to go buy um, smart refrigerators. And if you take that approach to every single thing in your life, every one of these, these smart mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. it starts to inform how you actually drive value uh, versus building something that's like, okay, now this is connected and it can tell me that I'm out of milk. So this is gonna be just a lot of competition of ideas and as usual, some will fall by the wayside and some will rise to the top. The cream will rise to the top. Agreed, agreed. Um, okay, so uh, what else is it 
that's important to know about where this world is going that we haven't talked about yet here? That's a, that's a large question. <laughs> um, I, I think, it, and this is one of the things I was talking about at, at the conference earlier and something I talked, talked about last night in a fireside chat, um, that I'm that I'm that I'm passionate about, which is I think large brands playing in artificial intelligence have a fundamental responsibility to humans to get this thing right. What I mean by that is, we've all gone from talking to each other as humans to you know like looking at our phones as we walk down the street. We've all had these things change the way we interact with humanity. The next wave of contextual, personalized, artificial, and highly intelligent cognitive experiences mm -hmm. have the potential to push us into a world of way more disassociation with reality, with people, et cetera. So I believe As that- As this uh, fellow from Facebook has just come out and talked about, right? This, the, I guess the, you could call it the dopamine problem. Right. The, the addiction problem that, uh, that you know, I mean, that's his opinion, but it's, a, it's something people are talking about. Is that the kind of thing you're referring to? I do. I think, I think artificial t intelligence has the, the, the potential to push that thing over the edge mm -hmm. for us as a, as a, as, as a people. Mm -hmm. um, and so brands, anyone playing in this space, whether you're just a, a one-off engineer or inside mm -hmm. of a, a very large tech company, we have to figure out what's that line where we drive great value for humanity, but also don't um, influence uh, these things in a negative so, way. So this is very interesting because a lot of the uh, big companies, uh, I, don't, I shouldn't say a lot, but certainly I would say my observation would be about Facebook so far is that, oh, we're just a platform. You know, mm -hmm. We don't need to think about those kinds of issues. You're taking a different position. I, I disagree. I fundamentally disagree with that. Mm -hmm. I, I think if you are, if large percentages of the world interact with you as a brand and get large sets of information as in Facebook, for example, 61% of Americans get their news from Facebook. They trust mm -hmm. the things that their friends post. Mm -hmm. um, and us for large, large sets of consumers on our network, right, uh, doing mm -hmm. a lot of things. We have a responsibility as a brand mm -hmm. to build great things for them that drive value in their lives. But also we have a responsibility to make sure that um, we are, we are, um, we are doing what's right for the future of, of how our children interact with technology. And- um, Can you just go in a little bit yeah. deeper into what doing it right looks like? Yeah, so I think there are a lot of, um, I think there are a lot of things that brands could do that would drive a lot of cost out of the business, drive a lot of revenue into the business based on personal information um, that would drive sets of behaviors from customers um, that maybe aren't the right thing to do. And I, I think the example I would give you is, given the technology today and the pathway that we're on, we could probably fully automate our entire business. And there are a lot of brands that will do that. As Moore's Law, as technology races to zero, mm -hmm. in the next three to five years, some of this basic AI, automa AI automation will just be a free open source tool that you can use. Robots taking over. Right, and just like, just like uh, Squarespace is done with mm -hmm. building websites, right? Mm -hmm. 15 years ago, building a website was like, you need a hundred grand and like it was, it was a huge thing. Right. You can go to Squarespace and get a free one, right? And right. then obviously you can pay up to, to do that thing. AI is gonna be no different. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we have a responsibility to keep the human touch in a lot of these experiences for the better good of both the experience and mm -hmm. humanity. 
You could also argue a different angle, which is it's actually a better competitive advantage mm -hmm. to have human touch in mm -hmm. a world of full automation. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine where we're all walking around, not actually talking to each other, mm -hmm. interacting with all the brands and content and music and all these things that we like, mm -hmm. but completely through whatever device, and maybe it's just everywhere, right? right. Maybe you can just walk up to everything and that they know yeah. it's you and, yeah. and right then maybe human touch is the differentiator mm -hmm. in that world. Um, and maybe it's also contributing to mm -hmm. a, a, um, a containment mm -hmm. of lack of disassociation with, uh, with the world. Um, and I think there's, there's often a lot of futurists that talk about this, this uh, moment in time that could possibly happen where large groups of people pull them un unplug, right? They, they pull themselves away from the matrix for lack of a better mm -hmm. term. Um, I don't know if that thing will happen at mm -hmm. scale as, as much as people want it to, mm -hmm. but I do think if brands get this thing wrong, mm -hmm. it definitely will happen, mm -hmm. right? And and so how do you how do you do that? What I think something just perfectly simple that I've done that is, has changed the way I interact with technology. I don't have any notifications on my phone anymore. I've turned all notifications off because I travel all the time. Is thousands of emails, everything, this, this thing was driving my life. Yes. And as I've turned notifications off, I've reclaimed my time. And that, that's, I'm the, I'm the person in the tech thinking about this. this. Is, yeah. And I've said, yeah. you know, I'm not going to have these notifications. I have one or two things for emergencies with family members, yeah. et cetera, that come to the, to my, my home screen, but everything else I decide to go. It's in. I've read about a couple of other people prominent in, in, in the tech world that have done something similar. So that, that's really interesting. Do you think, you know, you talked about these apps that will, you know, through personal assistance and all that will be competing. And then eventually, you know, you'll hit, they'll, they'll come back together and a few will succeed and that those will be the ones everyone wants to use. Do you think that companies are, are, are going to compete on this? You know, what you're talking about, the way that you would like to sing, see things go versus, you know, the completely data-driven way to go where we don't, we don't take any of these moral ethical issues because that's really what you're talking about. We don't take them into consideration. You're saying being on the right side of those will also be good business, but others will maybe choose to... to uh, to, to say the opposite, right? So do you think that will become a, a big point of competition between companies, even the big ones? I, I do, I do. And because if you think about um, what Tom Shoes has done, right? There was, a, there was a big period of time where there was a delineation between for-profit companies and non-for-profit companies. And then Tom Shoes came in and said, hey, we're a hybrid. If you buy a shoe from us, We'll give it to someone else, right? Mm -hmm. And millennials love that because there's a sense of social right. good in the yeah. millennial generation, right? If you look at what Generation Z expects from brands, they expect utility in return, not just a better experience, that's table stakes, mm -hmm. utility in return for what they view as currency, which is their data, mm -hmm. right? So if you're not very clear on what the utility is that you're driving mm -hmm. from them, mm -hmm. Don't even like you're not even going to get a shot at my data, right? And as there are a whole host of startups thinking about what does it mean to de enroll your data from entire brands? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to say, hey, Google, you no longer have, or hey, Verizon, you no longer have the rights to my data because you've done something mm -hmm. that I don't stand by. And so now I'm going to mm -hmm. pull my identity away from your platform. Mm -hmm. 
there's nothing to, to suggest that that won't become a thing mm -hmm. that empowers individual humans. Mm -hmm. So then in that world, what's your differentiation? It's probably, okay, get data rights and privacy, all this stuff, table stakes. Mm -hmm. But then what's your differentiator in the world? What makes you a better company, a better, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be social good, it right. should be, mm -hmm. right? But it just has to be how you approach the world and then how your users feel about that. And I'm not sure the next generation is as concerned with privacy as privacy proper mm -hmm. um, as we think about it. Millennials certainly in every generation before that. I think Generation Z just says, look, my, my mobile telephone number, my address, my email address, these things are, this is currency. Mm -hmm. So if you think you just get the right to those things for us playing ball, I'm already paying you real currency, right? So why, why do you get this right to this thing? And the experience economy, the social media revolution has kind of resorted, uh, our, resorted us to this idea that if the thing is free, then we pay with our attention. But we haven't had the conversation around the data component and what that means. So I think this next generation of, of consumers is going to blow a lot of these things up just in fundamentally how they think about the world. They're just more advanced, more thoughtful. They've never grown up in a, in a time without technology. Um, I, as I was telling in there, I've been in co-creations where a seven-year-old has said, hey, why'd you put the hamburger menu on the right side? Like your shelf nav should do this thing. And you're like, how do you know these words? You're not even a trained like user experience expert, but they... Yeah. This is how they interact with technology, and their knowledge is just um, far and away superior than any. any that's, that's uh, fascinating. So, so you're really talking about like a digital consumer boycott that could go viral, <laughs> so to speak, right? And it's maybe it's table stakes, yes. right? Maybe it's a feature mm -hmm. that you can just opt into, mm -hmm. and you could say it's a boycott, or you could say at some point it becomes BAU to mm -hmm. to how you interact or how you connect mm -hmm. into the world, right? Your plug-in moment is now informed. There are a lot of things like this where people are dabbling, ad blockers, all these things. Mm -hmm. But imagine if you actually had control over your identity. It's so interesting because everything has, for years has seemed to go on the other way, right? You know, they're just collecting data and we have no control and all that. So, But now you're saying it's like, oh, people may wake up and say, or at least the Generation Z, that this is kind of like my medical records. You know, This is my private stuff. You know, And um, you, don't, you don't get it without without me having trust in you or me liking the use that you're putting it to. And to that point, if you look at something like blockchain, mm -hmm. right? If I no longer need you, said bank, mm -hmm. to for you and I in this moment to exchange funds, I don't need a third party to validate that, that mm -hmm. our crypto handshake is good enough for you and I, mm -hmm. then where's the data transfer, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I, the, you and I are, don't need to transfer data, so, uh, like what happens in that moment. And I think to your point about uh, electronic medical records, there's a lot of really interesting work done in this space because mm -hmm. if you look at infectious disease or oncology, one of the biggest problems in care is not being able to take the most perfect information of your visits across different yes. providers. Right. And so if you had identity management that also encompassed everything in your life, mm -hmm. you could show up with your full medical history in your identity management software, for lack of a better term, there are a lot of different terms that people are using for this, and say, hey, Mr. Provider, I, I just pushed this thing to you, mm -hmm. and now you have perfect information that I don't have to wait for the fact that, you know, yeah, five years of my medical history is in an EMR, right. but the other 15 are in like stacks of paper all around, and we gotta scan it in and, and fax the document to you, something that I know you're not going to read. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of upside in this idea um, 
across industries. Which, uh, which gets back to a trust issue in the end, right? You're going to hand that over. You need to trust. And, and I think up until now, we just, we collectively haven't thought about it that much. We just, you know, yeah, it's going over there. That's okay. I mean, some groups do, some groups don't. But you're saying that the up-and-coming group is much more conscious of that. Indeed. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was great. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for having me on, and you guys give me a call anytime. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.